and welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Dan Alverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And today, I am a warm, warm boy in mm. southern, sunny, sun singing southern California. <laughs> you know, there's so many vowels in English language. I think we should try them all. One, two, three. Southern. <laughs> southern California. I don't know what that is. I don't know either. That's what you said. Oh, Southern California. Trevor, please introduce yourself. <laughs> no, wait, I have more. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> hey there, listener. <laughs> I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub, and today I'm a, uh, I don't know, I'm a hungry, hungry boy. I didn't have lunch before we recorded, and I, yeah, I'm running on some, so some the gummy, siren, gummy saver fumes. <laughs> <laughs> those sirens you hear are the people delivering our groceries. <laughs> <laughs> the helicopter drops yeah. down. <laughs> My name is Michael Willer. I am a chaser. God, I did it again. Last name. I guess it's sorry, a thing now. Sorry, hold what? on. I just, instead of, I, a very uh, timely reference, instead of Operation Dumbo Drop, Uh-oh. it's Operation Gumbo Drop. Oh, oh my, my God. Hold on. Mm. There's a thing for this. Okay. Yeah. So moving on. <laughs> my name is Michael Willer. I'm a chaser. And today I am... Um, I am a Fraser boy. No, no, 30 Rock boy, because hit me hard in the face. I'm not awake. I need to, I need to be on. I need to be, I need to be ready to go, and I'm not. Hold on. Anyone? Did it work? I can do it again. Yeah. Is it? Okay. <laughs> I had never seen Dan move that fast across the room. That was amazing. <laughs> Back again. My name's Don Marshall. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood, and today I am a post-Disneyland crippled boy. I've spent... Oh. Two days chasing an eight-year-old around Christmas, around Christmas, around <laughs> Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah, but, but Don, the operative question, did you catch him? Her. Her. <laughs> no, she won. She definitely won this show down. Oh, jeez. That uh, sounds exhausting. <laughs> How gonna, are you walking right now? <laughs> very, with great difficulty. I'm going to channel my, uh, my NAFA fellow board member, uh, Peggy Howell, and say, should have gotten a scooter, and then I, I just kind of zoom off. <laughs> I was, oh, she was, she was just driving. She's like, should have gotten a scooter. I was about halfway through the day. I was halfway through the first day and I was staring with such jealousy. Yes. And all of the Midwesterners just flying around me on their scooters. Mm-hmm. Did you giggling say, giggling and laughing. Did you say Midwesterners? Yes, Midwesterners. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I've never heard that before. <laughs> they're, Wait, Trevor, they're, is that what you are? Yes. I'm a oh. They often come to Slogan, California. We have a title for our show already. It's so early. <laughs> Okay, well, here we are. We're, uh, it's, it's weird vibes today because we're recording not on our usual time of Saturday morning, but on a Monday afternoon. Bum, bum, and bum. if anyone's ever done anything on a Monday before, <laughs> they know. I think it's a fun one. It's, it, it is a fun one. It's a good yes. one. Um, I guess for if you forgot, listener, even though we said this last episode and I yes. reminded y'all on social media, we were discussing Dead End Paranormal Park. Yes, Today. a cartoon yep. on Netflix that has an incredible range of diversity and representation, including a fat main character mm-hmm. um, that we've all watched to, I, I will I will admit, to some degree. I haven't finished the show yet. <gasps> oh, dun, Michael! Dun, dun. I was out of town for there four was, days. There's, oh, my God. I the musical say, episode. Did you see the musical episode yet? No, Yeah, I will say the penultimate episode was so much better than I have seen from any children's cartoon. Like, Straight up children's okay, cartoon. Okay, let's, let, yeah, okay, let's let's wait. We'll, we'll get first, to that. Let's first, point to the point of what I was saying is like, if you haven't watched it yet, pause. We'll still be here. 
Go watch it. Go watch come it. back. Because yeah. we're going to spoil the hell out of we're this. We're spoiling the <laughs> shit. Spoil the hell out of this Spoilers all over the place. Uh, but first, got to bum you out with some pop culture. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> What's terrible, Trevor? Uh, so there's a... <laughs> yeah. Remember the 2000s? <laughs> They're back! Rock and Marty. They still suck. Um, yeah. So this was going around Twitter, and I thought it was... Uh, appropriate to discuss. There is a clip from uh, America's Next Top Model. I don't know what season this is. Who cares? But it's, it's 2000. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, we've said enough. It's America's it's, Next yeah. Top Model. And it's Tyra and the judges uh, discussing one of the models who is a plus model. <laughs> a 2000s in, version yes. of plus size she's, model. She's like a means, size six. Which means she actually has body fat somewhere on her body. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I think it's a testament to how much standards have changed, even though it doesn't really seem like they've changed. Because mm-hmm. I was watching this like... I watched it twice. I watched it once this morning on silent because Michael was still asleep. And I was like, okay, this is weird. That sounds like they're, it looks like they're kind of trashing her. You know, maybe they're talking about whatever her side, but she looks like a model. Like she, she just looks like a model, like a regular, regular yeah. model. And then, and when I listened to it with the volume, of course she's their, she's their plus size model, but it's, it's just too bad that she's not plus size on the top and bottom. I just think um, it's so interesting that they keep ranting about how she's not uh, marketable. That's the word they keep coming mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. to and that there's no market for a plus size model. What? And then all of their comments are about their own personal observations. We're going to play, know? we're going to play some of this for you. Yeah. It's a long clip, but we'll play a little bit and for you and so get a sense of it. I think for Robin, it must be hard being among girls who are so skinny. Felt a little bit bad for Robin because she is the bigger up down here in the hips and thighs than the rest of us. Robin's, Robin's out as far as I'm concerned about being a supermodel. No. Well, Definitely not. This girl, this girl should not be the first not. Well, that's my, that's my humble. Why? Because I think a Next America's top model is not a plus size model. I'm sorry. Do you have to be covered all the time? Like, why can't you? You, you want to be covered? This is saying, oh, I've got hips, so I'm covering them up. Why are you crying, Robin? Talk to me. Why are you crying? Let's just call it as it is. Robin, first of all, is too old to be starting a model. She's huge. She's not going to be a top model. She's, she won't. That's she the should reality. work for That's a car what... toppling company. Robin, I don't know what she's doing in Paris. I don't have a market here for Robin. You know, there's no market for plus sizes in France. Robin, you were supposed to have a nude photo shoot. We don't have a photo for you this week, and why is that? I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. Um, my body is mine. I just didn't think that, you know, that is what I needed to do in order to get ahead. I'm kind of disappointed that you didn't do it. I was sort of expecting this kind of, you know, Botticelli image. You know, I was just, I was sad that you just kind of didn't put yourself out there, you know, representing women of a different size. She should be working at Avis. She is a full-figured black woman. In the end, Robin was asked to leave. (sighs) It's just so... Yeah. I... Reflecting upon, like, there's a lot of millennials, you know, I'm, I don't know, mid-millennial, whatever, like, reflecting on just, like, wow, the 2000s were super fucked up, and, yeah. like, I don't know, post... <laughs> well, they had a really good launching pad in the 90s. Yeah. Post 9-11, uh, America just really loved dragging women and just destroying them, and mm. but, like, it's fine. That's just how things go. Yeah. Are you thinking of some of the sitcoms and, like... Sitcoms, and even just, like... Everything with like I, I am not like a hashtag free Britney person. I I mean I agree with it, but I'm not like one of the. There's that's a whole rabbit hole to go down. That's a whole. Yeah, I am not one of the people outside the Beverly Hills courthouse. (laughs) Um, And I think 
in like going the going through the court case with the dissolvement of the conservatorship, there was a lot of reflecting on how poorly Britney Spears was treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the whole thing of like, oh my God, look how fat she is when she came back uh, for the 2007 VMAs. And it's like, she's just like, looks like a normal human being, but it was just so ingrained and hammered down. Like, look, she's so fat and mm-hmm. dis- yeah. disoriented and she can barely move. And it's like, no, she just like is a normal human do being. You, do you remember the South Park episode that addressed that? Yes. They actually did a very interesting take on it where they basically took Britney Spears mm. and then put her into the Wicker Man where it's the entire world oh. conspiring <laughs> to hound and harass her until she destroys herself oh. as a sacrifice to the elder gods for our own benefit in the future. It that's, was, that's pressure. That's dead. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's exactly yeah, it. It that's pretty it on point. Um, huh. Um, so for the model thing, <laughs> to bring it back, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I think it's, to me, it's helpful because it is, you know, it's hard to kind of keep track of gradual change. And so looking back on something that wasn't that long ago, I guess, you know, we're what, 20, almost 20 years removed from this, 15 years. Um, you can, you can kind of look back not that far and go, shit. That wouldn't be acceptable today. I think the whole show wouldn't be acceptable. Imagine we're going to have a show where we judge women's bodies by how acceptable they are to put in magazines. Mm-hmm. That would never fly today. I mean, well, even a show that still like, on the air? I don't think so. Next Top Model? I, think I don't think it is. I don't know. Well, then but, I'm really wrong. <laughs> but this kind of show, I mean, the thing I'm thinking of is like Biggest Loser had to rewrite themselves. Yeah. Like and that, that alone says a lot. What they are saying, like this is the version of what, they felt comfortable saying on camera. Right. So imagine, yeah. this is the edited version. <laughs> yeah. Imagine how much worse it, like, this is now what would be said behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, but, and by the same token, do you think people were editing for niceness? I don't think so. No, no. I think it might have been like, you know, editing for conciseness. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, how much did they say that we just aren't even hearing? Yeah. Well, I mean, also keep in mind, they're all in an industry that has been legendarily shitty to mm-hmm. fat people, legendarily mm. well, forever. And, and, you know, to women in general. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it's for me, it's just helpful to kind of look back and go, at least we're not there anymore. You know, we're no, and, and I think that's been acknowledged in this fat in the fatosphere, even that, like, it's not great, but it's. Definitely better. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely. I mean, better. it's something. It's something. Well, I'll be on the shirt, people. And I, <laughs> I, I really love. And so, thank you, for Trevor, for for how this really dovetails into our next yeah. piece. That yes. I, I really love this a genius piece. at work. <laughs> well, no, I really love this piece because this is set it up for us, Trevor. Because I don't remember the source. So this is it's in Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue, who Teen Vogue are which just has been continuing like, to just knock it out of the park. Absolutely on, on every level. Yeah. It's so weird. Their political coverage has continued to be really good. <laughs> what the hell, Teen Vogue? You're making <laughs> us all look bad. <laughs> um, but Teen Vogue talking about the uh, oh gosh, it's Steve, I feel ancient talking about this. <laughs> the, the Y2K fashion trend, which is basically 2000s fashion coming back. Do you remember the Y2K <laughs> times? <laughs> no, but the idea of the fashion is coming back. So, you know, if you, yeah. maybe you even remember it if you're that old. And oh God, well. it, because this, the, you know, so we just talked about the modeling at the time. The fashion at the time was very focused on like low, low rise mid-drift crop tops crop tops in a very limited range of sizes and yes. the idea was that it was again it, got, it goes along with the america's top model story because it was this era where fashion was designed and media was designed and everything was designed to be exclusionary 
of certain body types. So you had all the really high, the really new, slick, hot fashion yeah. was for a particular body type. And if you weren't that body type, you couldn't wear the clothes. I mean, it was, and, it was the golden age of Tommy Hilfiger. Like that was yeah. their entire model was we want to be exclusive. We want to leave people out. So oh, that yeah. our stuff is more desirable. That that they Abercrombie stated that directly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As Dan yeah. has pointed out, the design is to tell you you're not, you know, your body is wrong. You need to match our clothes to be, yeah. to fit in. Mm -hmm. And here's all of the different ways that you can abuse your body to try and get mm -hmm. to that point. Yes, exactly. Here's how you lose the weight. That here's was what I loved about that article is it really did go into how it was just a full blitz on your own oh, self-image. It was the mm -hmm. ultimate cross-media, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, that was that was impressive. Yeah, oh, you can't fit in the clothes? You should buy this diet aid. You know, it was great. Mm -hmm. but, so, so, but, but the here's, point, yes, yeah, so the point. The point. <laughs> so the point is, the point of this was, so the author is saying, yes, those were terrible, horrible times, and people have been disparaging that the this fashion is coming back. But what the what the author says is you Emily, know, Emily Emily Zaremus. Emily Zaremus. What she says is that they're coming back in different sizes and so that it's not exclusionary. And in fact, if anything, it's sort of celebrating because you know you can wear these low-rise jeans, but without the like size two body or the mm -hmm. size 30 waist. And it was really wonderful that she's saying, you know, it's it's not terrible. It's actually really great. It's a way of celebrating everyone's body in any fashion. And she so she writes this article in response to a tweet um, by Amanda Richards, who said, uh, do not talk to me about Y2K. But for anybody who's too young to know, Y2K is year 2000. I feel old having to translate that for you, but it just takes you back to that era. That's we we were using Roman numerals then. That's the why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and she says, you know, do not talk to me about the year uh, Y2K revival unless you're willing to admit you're nostalgic for a time when fat people were not allowed to have clothes. Sure, it seems like fun and games now, but the reality is that Y2K fashion was all about scanning Delia's catalog. I don't know how to Delia's. say it. Delia's yeah. uh, catalog, and then feeling like shit for approximately 10 to 15 years, which is not inaccurate. Mm. But the point is like, well, now that we're here. Yeah, so the author is 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 mm -hmm. responding to that. She's responding to that and saying like, we can reclaim this. Yeah, can, and the, the article has a full photo spread of oh, yeah. dead bodies in my 2K fashion, which- Many photos, see. at least a dozen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, And all of them, you know, there's good uh, diversity in there. There's some men in there. It's lots of women. And they're all like, it feels like, it feels like the times, like mm. it feels like Y2K, like they've got like the wide angle lens, like yeah. looking up at the camera and like God, all I, of the Y2K fashion is, <laughs> I like that. It's like very, it's, you know, eventually it got its footing and I like that. Like the, it, the revival is like a very concise version. Rewatching old shows. You can immediately tell when we pass into two, the two thousands because <laughs> the clothing becomes unhinged <laughs> in like 2000 and 2001 where it's like pleather feathers uh glitter and like it's just <laughs> lime green eyeshadow <laughs> yes just like anything we're just we're anything. Throwing, stuff God, anything. Yeah. <laughs> throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks i like how she puts this at the end of her article it's because this is an approach that i just appreciate about a lot of things mm -hmm. if you're trying to work on what hurts rather than just wallow in it. Mm. Um, she says, I'd like to think that we are now in a time of acknowledging our past traumas and then reclaiming them on our own terms as a form of self-therapy. Mm -hmm. Like that. I love that. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And it's and not always doable, at least in that moment, but it can be like, mm -hmm. it always can be. Mm -hmm. Yay. Yeah. Yay. And go team Vogue. Extra yay. And, and go team Vogue. Yeah. And, well, and we're team oh. Vogue. We got a two for this week. 
Scooty. <laughs> Hear my cry. <laughs> it's Fat Watch. It is. It's 2022. We're not not two, 2002. Ugh. <laughs> Don't want to go back there. Personally. <laughs> Thank God. But this is it's another piece from Teen Vogue. It is this from is their so their summer bodies. So uh, it's kind of a part of the feature they've been doing, which we featured a couple of mm. uh, for summer summer bodies, and it is. Swimming gives me the power and trust in my body. Yes. That I've Which long I, searched for. I am dying to know what you thought of this, Don, because I feel like there's a lot echoed. All of this. In, yeah, like the swimming we, experience. You have talked about yeah. throughout this summer yeah, w- with swimming. I think I feel like we did two episodes on this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, reading this, I, I, I feel like I'm actually the wrong audience for this because I was reading this going like, duh. <laughs> like I, 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 I knew this i lived this yeah like all of this was just so blatantly obvious to me that so why do we, like, we we should tell listeners yeah. like what are we talking about mm-hmm. uh the basically in a world where you are forced to exercise and exercise feels like a punishment right and i love that like i think that's a quote um, almost yeah, well, I mm-hmm. like I have the punishment, like the punishment for being fat is exercise. Yeah, mm-hmm. I went to the the gym religiously for four years, religiously, and I hated every single visit. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, but swimming has always been a joy for me. Mm-hmm. It is freeing, and it's not just for the exercise aspect of it, which is great. But that was never the thing I was enjoying about swimming. <laughs> it, the thing I was enjoying about swimming was the activity of it, the freedom of it, mm-hmm. the release. And, you know, like, I don't feel like I'm a graceful person outside of water. Which is one of the points you know, the author makes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Put me in water and I'm a fucking dolphin. Like, mm-hmm. I am <laughs> great. Um, my body is built for water right down to the goddamn paddles strapped <laughs> to the bottom of my legs. Mm-hmm. Um so for me, reading this article was just an, everything she says in there is a no brainer. Um, well, what I, did you guys think of it? I, well, mean, like, I, I actually like that. It was again, the, the idea that if, you know, if you're a thin person, exercise is something you should do. If you're a fat person, exercise is the punishment for having the body you have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that, that was really great. And how she turns that into, you know, not, not the swimming of laps, but just the experience of the body in the mm-hmm. water and, the experience of being at peace with and enjoying one's body. Um, She also shares an an exact experience that I have shared of going to uh, the ocean and I, uh, and just literally swimming towards the horizon. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming, turning around and seeing the land so far away from you. And like, for me, there was no fear to that. That Mm. it was a beautiful moment of, this is what I can achieve. It was a dumb moment. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that you should do this. You shouldn't. That was really <laughs> stupid. There are these things called riptides <laughs> where I could have never been found again. Um, but the experience of it, I don't regret of just going. I, I think, I think thin people don't understand what a, a grace it can be to be able to just stand up and walk forever mm-hmm. and, and find out where you are. I don't have that experience. Like my knees will go. It will mm-hmm. hurt. I love that. And um, I, I, I really, really love the way you yeah. put that. And I really love the way you use the word grace, mm-hmm. that it's this effortless well-being mm-hmm. that, you know, again, thin people, a lot of people can just 
not every thin person, obviously, but you know, can walk and walk and walk and like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, now where are we? You know, it's like, and it's no big thing. It's yeah. no big thing. Mm -hmm. We took a walk and then we were five miles away from where we started. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we barely noticed. And I think swimming for a lot of fat people can be like that. Yeah. Like you can, you can be in the water for hours and hours and hours. Especially mm. in salt water. Like it Even gives more me buoyant, certain yeah. unrealistic perspectives on things too. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm always reading about like these fairy disasters where people are going down. I'm like it would take effort for me to drown. Like I, <laughs> the funny thing is like, so I went to the, uh, to the Middle East at one point and to Israel and there, so there's the Dead Sea, mm -hmm. right? Which is so, um, I could walk on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny cause you have all of these thin people going like, oh my God, it's amazing. You just float, you're on top of the water and it, <laughs> I mean, I'm just floating by prone on my back, mm -hmm. floating right. on the no, surface. No, you're actually hovering yeah. above yeah. the water. Yeah. Like it's creating reverse gravity. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to have that experience, cause for me, I couldn't just like swim out mm -hmm. anywhere. I would be exhausted, you know, yeah. five minutes into it. Um, and, and I, I, it's a very, it seems like a very potent analog to, you know, I can get granted, I'm not going to go walking for, you know, 15 miles either, but like I can go mm -hmm. walk and not have to worry yeah. about it initially. Right. And, and um, I mean, I'm thinking of people who like even <clears throat> tourists, like you go to New York city, right. Which is very yeah. walkable, but you know, you can just sort of explore Chicago mm -hmm. is another mm -hmm. example of this where it's like, it's totally flat. You could walk for a mile and not even realize it, you know, unless you're fat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like for um, me, I, I'm aware that if I'm going on a long walking tour of something, I have to plan the walking tour so that where, wherever I think I will get exhausted, I will be physically able to get back to the yeah. start position. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know? I, with read the like swimming versus walking thing, with Dan, so whenever Dan and I go swimming, I can just, <laughs> I am just floating. I am whatever. And Dan is, you know, treading water. Like, can we go to the just trying to <laughs> Well, now I've learned to take along flotation devices, you know, besides Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> no, but it is the, the release. And like, I find now, you know, that I'm getting, getting older, like one of those, I don't know, older horses just in the distance staring at the sunset. Um, <laughs> I feel parts of my body. Which horse? I feel like I need a, an explanation <laughs> yeah, for that one. I'm, I'm, I'm usually on board with Trevor's metaphors, but I'm sorry. I'm a, what? I, I'm a lone whore. I don't know. <laughs> I feel my body just like release in ways I didn't know was possible. It's mm. like things unlocking yeah. because, you know, just like specifically, like I didn't, there was a point recently where we went swimming where like I felt my back like un, oh, uncompress. I love that. I love I that. I'm like, I didn't even know my back was compressed right now. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like that. That was <laughs> it just now. <laughs> and it was like, you know, uh, in the water. And I felt like, you know, my, my belly floated up a little because, you know, that's what happens. Mm. And it was just like, <laughs> yes, it, it was press that button again. I really left it up and it was just like that. <laughs> so back release. Um, I, had a, I had an interesting experience I've never had before, which was at Bigger Vegas. Um, I initially did the main pool. Uh, just as a sort of uh, self-test, I guess. And, and that was nice, but it was very crowded and very intense. And so later in the event, we, Michael and I went to the sort of smaller side pool, um, which I can't remember what they called it. It it's was like a hassle-free. Well, yeah, they call bustle it. Bustle-free zone. Bustle-free, that's what it no, is. No, and what it really is, is it's the, it's the hotel's lap pool. Right. And it's probably four feet deep, maybe. Three, yeah, like three and a half. It's very yeah. shallow. Yeah. Um, but we were there and it was nighttime and it was actually a little chilly. Um, and the pool wasn't heated. So, because why would it be? It's Vegas. <laughs> um, but it was actually a little chilly and it was breezy. And so we were in the pool and I was like shaking. Mm. Um, I was like, I was very, very cold. So I just sort of, at one point I just sort of like latched onto a gun. <laughs> you were there actually at one point. So I just like latched on to him. To Michael or? 
to oh, Michael. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and was and and then I kind of once we figured out the balancing issue, mm. I was just floating along too. Um, cause <laughs> there's enough buoyancy for both of us. <laughs> well, and come on, it's three and a half. I mean, deep. yeah, I you mean, don't have to convince me. Was he standing? Um, he must have been. No, I think we were drifting around, but he, I think he was also standing at a point. It basically for me, it was like, I get to, I get to kind of like ride along. So like <laughs> he would move and then I was just like being whisked along and I didn't have to do anything. Um, is, is this more like, a? I don't know, the male lamprey latch to the female lamprey? Yeah. Or yeah. like oh sea otters God. holding hands. <laughs> uh, no, it was like a lamprey. full on. Yeah, it yeah. was it was an attach. It was like a, you know, yeah. there was a docking procedure. Yeah, the holding the hands whole. is not going to work. <laughs> that has to be an interesting experience. If, if you're not a natural floater, mm-hmm. to suddenly have the moment to The float. only way that I can float is if I am holding, if I'm, you know, on my back spread out and holding my breath. Yeah. As soon as I let my breath out, even a little bit, I sink yeah. instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading an article about people are concerned about the big one, the earthquake in LA. But mm. There's the other big one, which is like a yeah. flood. Oh, the flood. Yeah. yeah. Michael I, just told me this too. <laughs> and I'm the just, flood. <laughs> well, luckily, luckily global warming apparently increases our odds of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but I was just kind of imagining just like floating and like cackling. <laughs> <laughs> Simpletons. You should have been getting yeah. fatter this whole time. <laughs> um, anyway, to, I guess to wrap this up, the, the, uh, the article's author, Emma Spector, talks about her personal journey mm-hmm. um, with exercise and um, body dysmorphia and eating disorders and um, her struggle with that and essentially swimming being the solution for many of these problems, even if she still struggles with them, she says specifically, now I don't hate my body. Mm. You know, there's still, there's always a struggle, um, but this has been a key to a lock that I didn't think I would ever find. Um, and the, the key, not the lock. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and her, she is so blunt in the personal anecdotes that is just a, it's a phenomenal read. It's mm-hmm. really, really powerful um, in Teen Vogue also. In case we hadn't said yeah. that already, um, <laughs> we should say that a lot more. Teen Vogue knocking it out of the park <laughs> once again. Well, I think we're ready to transition into the main topic for the day. Ah, uh, yes. yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, Trevor, you are the one who introduced us to this. Do you want to give us an introduction to Dead End Paranormal Park? Yes. So, this is a Netflix adaptation of the graphic novel by Hamish Steele, which the graphic novel is called Dead Endia. Hmm. Um, I believe he is. Scottish? Oh, really? English? I don't know if he's English or Scottish. Uh, fat, gay, wonderful. Um, I feel like a lot of people probably follow him on Twitter because he does um, other fat art stuff. Hmm. But it is the story of Barney. Yeah, like Barney. Barney, Barney, Barney a uh, older than sixteen, but I think still like I think he's probably high, later high school age. He's he's young enough to have a job at a theme park. Yes, a fat trans man, gay who. Uh, is dealing with some family conflict, gets a job over the summer at uh, a theme park, Phoenix. Is it Phoenix? Phoenix? Yes, it's Phoenix uh, Land. It's Phoenix. But the point of the theme park is that it's it's sort of a mashup of Disneyland and Dollywood yes. and Knott's Berry Farm. Dollywood was mm-hmm. what came to mind first. Yeah, yeah well, because yeah, it's for ba- obvious reasons. It's based, yeah. yeah, because the, the, I don't know, the presiding image of the theme park is this actress singer uh, Pauline Phoenix? Pauline Phoenix, who I I admit for the first few episodes I thought was supposed to be a drag queen. Well, uh, I wasn't well, sure well, either. I, well, don't, I don't think the character is supposed to be a drag queen, but she is voiced by a drag queen, Coco Peru, whom yes. I adore. Yes. I adore Coco Peru. Um, <laughs> so Barney gets a job at the theme park. He brings along his pug, 
and Pugsley, Pugsley. Uh, Pugsley. <laughs> and he is competing initially competing for a job with a classmate, Norma, who is implied to be neurodivergent. I don't know if I w- that's what I wanted to ask. She I, suffers from anxiety disorder. Certainly anxiety. But I think yeah. it's also yeah. I don't know if it's in the graphic I, novel because I was reading about the, sh- the the show versus the graphic novel, and I think um, it is confirmed and maybe in the graphic novel that she's autistic. I was wondering that about makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. um, um, she's very, she is fully obsessed with everything to do with the theme park. She knows yes. its history. She mm-hmm. knows its history's history. And and very oh, a good point. And very averse to touch. Very averse to social interaction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so Barney, Norma, and Pugsley get drawn into the this kind of these disappearances tied to the theme park. Yeah. Lots of, um, well, paranormal events and yes. hauntings and demons. And, and which, uh, the first episode, there is a, a demon who comes back who is looking for a flesh vessel. They meet uh, a demon named Courtney, yeah. who um, Barney ends up selected to be the flesh vessel for this demon. But as he, the demon is about to enter him, Pugsley jumps in the way to save, to him. save him. To save him, very bravely. Uh, and they have to exercise the demon from Pugsley, but after they do that, Pugsley has magic powers and can talk. Yes, <laughs> and it is. I, I, so I the loved reason, the Pugsley character enormously. Oh, I loved totally. the character. I love the yeah, and I totally have a crush on Barney. Barney's so, super cute. Yes. Super Barney cute. is super super cute. Uh, but anyway, the, the the thing that I really loved, even in that first episode, is that the reason Barney and Norma are at the theme park is they're competing for this job. They don't realize that the job they're competing for is to be the flesh vessel mm-hmm. of a demon, mm-hmm. and. When they pick Barney, Barney, Barney just says very unabashedly, like, oh yeah, flesh vessel. And he holds his and he grabs his he grabs his belly fat and shakes it, like, yeah, you want flesh? I got flesh. There's more of mm-hmm. me. There's more mm-hmm. of me. You should definitely pick me. And it was like, oh, how refreshing to just like that's fine. Like mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. there wasn't a thing about it. There mm-hmm. wasn't a there wasn't a mm-hmm. there wasn't a comment on it afterwards. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah. I'm like, I'm tall. You should pick me because you need the height or I'm fat. You should pick me because you need the flesh done. And I think that's when he still thought that this was like part of the job job, not understanding. Yeah, he's not trying to be a flesh vessel. Yeah. 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 Uh, But he just hears the words flesh and he's like, well, I'm qualified. So this, as Trevor pointed out, when we first started talking about this, the show has a depth and range of representation Mm -hmm. that we don't tend to see in any kind of media. Yeah. I thought it was very sweet the way they would occasionally feature straight characters. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The normies were there somewhere. There were certain expectations I had when I realized, you know, the the different characters being represented uh, that I'm glad they surpassed, right? Yeah. So like when Mm. there was a lead trans character, and the revelation that they're trans is set up in the first episode, but doesn't get revealed until... The second two, yeah. right? Episode two, yeah. And I was sort of expecting, like, once that came out, for it to just sort of drop, right? Uh, like, oh, it's a trans character, and now we're just going to treat it like any other character from this point on. But the way they integrated the trans issues that that character is dealing with at the mm. time, I found that I thought was very naturalistic. Well, and what got and well done? Yes, you know? absolutely. And what was really interesting to me about that was, okay, so you have a trans main character. You're either, are we going to just ignore that? Like, oh, it's a trans character. You know yeah, that. And now we're going to go on. Yeah. It. Or are we going to, is the whole thing going to be about trans trauma because it's a trans character? And like, yeah. And I thought it was a really interesting walking of the line 
because so here's here's a really big spoiler in case you haven't been warned off already. <laughs> uh, you know, the the trans trauma is not, oh, his parents hate him and have thrown him out of the house, mm-hmm. which is why he ends up living at the theme mm-hmm. park. Mm-hmm. The the trauma is his parents didn't come to his rescue when his grandma says, quote unquote, yep. all these horrible things to him when she's over for their her weekly visit. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really interesting way to thread the needle of, we want to talk mm-hmm. about this issue and we want to talk about the fact that, no, it's not all sunny land here, yeah. mm-hmm. but not base a whole show around trauma. And it mm-hmm. really rang true. Like it, it felt real to me, like a real, a real way of addressing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it addressed it, addressed, uh, addressed it in a way where I feel like it's a good, it, it, the show will open doors for conversation Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, within families. Um, and actually, one of the first things I did, I think I was watching episode four, was I texted a friend of mine whose uh, kid came out as trans, I think, a year ago, mm. um, or, or at least gender non-binary. I, I, can't, I shouldn't say trans not knowing. But uh, I, I was thinking about this, like, I can't think of another show where they would feel this represented, mm-hmm. right? And the the actor uh, voicing Barney is trans. Yeah, he's yeah. a trans man. So that is, I think, a degree of authenticity. Attention to, yeah, it's authentic. It's attention to detail mm-hmm. in terms of how it's produced. Um, so one thing that was a change from the graphic novel was the character of Courtney in the graphic novel uses they them pronouns and is non-binary because they are this demon know, demon mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the show, Courtney uses she her pronouns and. The, the idea behind that was when they were casting the role, they're like, you know, we're doing gender blind casting and mm. we're going to use whatever pronouns the actor we hire uses. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Interesting. And they ended up using a female actress who uses she, her pronouns. There's an the, integration in the process. Yes. That was interesting because it never, I didn't identify the character as she, her until she was labeled that way. Yeah. Same. My yeah. default was he, was he him? I, yeah. Character. Because of the tone of voice, because yeah. of the, the, the uh, yeah, I didn't, the energy. Yeah. It's, and it's a, it is a voice. And yes. so you don't necessarily have an inclination of, of who's doing the voice until you hear, I guess. Like, yeah. What Trevor yeah. Said. But again, it's one of those things where like when I realized the, the gender labeling used in the show, it actually made me start thinking about mm-hmm. it a little more actively, which I thought was a beneficial thing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that was good. Something so something from the show. Once again, this is spoilers, but you're if you're still listening, you've either watched it or you're <laughs> don't you want to never stop spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Um so there's the moment where uh I think it's episode, I don't know, five or six, where there is Barney's family has discovered he's living in the theme park. He's agreed to have lunch with them. Oh, because he's been hiding from yeah, them. That's yeah, that's what I was gonna say, just to set that up a little bit. I the, yeah. I loved how they used the the sort of conflict in his storyline to put him in the theme park because he is not wanting to go home yeah. because of all the conflict that he's having to deal with. And he's trying to avoid it by living at the theme park. Yeah. Yes. And it's, and it's sort of this mushy transition that I like where mm-hmm. he's like, like, he's there. He initially just goes for a job interview mm-hmm. and then he kind of gets the job that yeah, there, there's more to say there, yeah. but he kind of gets the job. And then he's like, but I don't. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, but I don't want to go home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we find out later, he's got this brilliant line is his parents say like, you know, you know, why won't you come home? And he says something like, well, I will when you make it a home. Yeah. And it's well, not that they don't accept him. It's that they haven't defended him. But go yes. ahead, Trevor, you were and making that, a different point. And so there's the, the con- there's that conflict. And his dad says, you know, we accepted you. Isn't that enough? Yeah. And Barney <laughs> says, that's the bare minimum. Yeah. For a parent I, to accept their child. Yes. Yeah. 
that scene was being discussed a lot on Twitter when the show was, you know, for, when it first came out and people were binge watching it. And I think it's such an interesting thing because there were people who aren't really involved, like who are, I don't know, I'm guess maybe just cis or, you know, cis straight white people who are like, well, I, I think that's kind of not fair to his parents oh, and Christ. the like, just not getting it. And I think it's such a good explanation yeah. of kind of like allyship and activism where in, when you are, you know, accepting of something, but you are still present and compliant mm-hmm. in harassment. Yeah. That, so my, my uh, cousin deals with this actually. We have a very, uh, uh, what's it, very liberal family, extremely liberal family, like politically, socially, all of those things, extended family, I should say. But when he comes out as, I think initially, he, he's had a lot of struggles and a lot of trying to figure out who he is, and there's a whole thing there. But I think initially came out as gay, and then there was some wavering back and forth. And basically what it amounted to was like, we have these beliefs, but now that it affects us directly, <laughs> it's yeah. a lot harder. And I think there's a certain degree of grace that you can choose to give as far as having people deal with something that is a change mm-hmm. from what they understood. But that's it. Like, then you figure it out, you accept, you love, you defend, like, yeah. then you move on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, expecting someone to just flip on a dime from something that they didn't necessarily understand initially mm-hmm. that's a lot but then you have to do the work and i think this is the point yeah. that, that barney is making is like that's that's the bare minimum i'm not you know mm-hmm. like <laughs> accepting mm-hmm. your kid is a bare minimum <laughs> mm-hmm. well it, it's also interesting for me because i was thinking like the parents come from a different generation where you were told like accepting your kid was the right thing to do back in the 90s right in the 80s that was the earliest sort of gay mass media stuff. So I feel like there are a lot of people out there who do regard themselves as allies, but haven't thought much about it since 20 years ago. Well, and it's, you know, what what we're talking about is the bar. Like how low is the bar? (laughs) And this idea that, cause I'm thinking too, I've seen this everywhere. You know, you see it with, all right, let's take with, with parents. Like, you know, we are amazing parents. We don't even have a problem with our kid who is gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't even have a problem with our kid. That's, that's how great we are. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the little part. Or the idea of like, you know, he, he is so great as a husband. I think one time he did laundry. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one time he looked after the kid all day on a Saturday, that hero. And the, the and bar if is you so, go back to the 1950s and 1960s. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a high bar. Well, okay. Know? But now let's bring it into our community where this idea of like, you know, a lot of chasers love fat guys, but you know, having a super chub in your life as a partner you know, the world is going to change for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, how great. He doesn't even have a problem dating fat people. Yeah. But <laughs> how, you know, like step the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And this, the idea of like the bar is so low, like he even dates people who are fat. Mm. And I've had this turned on me where uh, some, some normie out in the world is like, wow, it's so great that you date fat guys. Like you don't even care. I was like, I <laughs> what did. a sword to fall. Repeatedly. <laughs> 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 and I know. And I like, I, that infuriates me. And so I, I turned to the woman at the time and I said like, no, I date fat guys cause they're hot. Mm. You know, mm. <laughs> don't give me the pity routine. Uh, uh, but, but, yeah. but like, but that's, that's the idea that the bar is so low that not having a shit fit about it deserves a medal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And again, like, you know, I, again, I get this because like with my, my interactions with my mom, I feel it's very similar 
Like she has stopped telling me that I'm consigned to hell. Right? <laughs> and so and sure that, that, that makes her a great mom. Now. For her, she's like, <laughs> what? what more do you want from me? Exactly. I, I, I spared you from hell by my decree <laughs> because you know, she's in charge of hell apparently. Oh no, mm. she still thinks I'm going to hell. She just doesn't bring it up. Oh, you know? that's, yeah. that is sweet. That is really sweet. What right. a gesture. That's being supportive. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, that, and that's sort of what Barney's going through in the show is, mm. is like you say you're supportive, but your actions belie something else yeah. mm-hmm. or belie that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about logs. So logs is the love interest for Barney who he is like the, the safety inspector for the park. Hunky. Um, so yes. Hunky inspector. safety inspector. And he is. And Barney is very nervous about interacting with him. There's a, an episode which was excruciating for Dan because Dan did. hates misunderstanding. <laughs> the only thing I hate body more than, swap plots. the only thing. Yeah. So what all the worst things in one episode hit, hit at the same time, body swapping, <laughs> misunderstanding and awkward humor. I think mm. I, Loathed I think it. I skipped through some of that episode oh, too. I Cause I, I hate cringe. Yeah. The, the episode, I was cringing. It, so the episode is, it's called 22 minutes and there's a new <laughs> ride. There's a ride reopening in the park and Barney is waiting with logs, but he's so nervous that Courtney Pugsley and Norma all decide to try to help him by basically going into his body and controlling him and they keep switch it keeps switching around. And then there's a point where no one's in Barney's body and he just kind of falls over comatose onto logs, like <laughs> drooling on his shoulder. <laughs> Which I was about has right. been me online for some rides in the past. <laughs> um, and it's this kind of like tunnel of love ride. And then they finally get to the end. Barney gets back in his body and talks about like, Oh, I'm so sorry how I was behaving. I was, you know, weird. And is like, Oh, I'm, I'm just so nervous. And ends up not getting on the little tunnel tunnel of love with him, but they end up having um, has all these en- encounters with logs is nervous, and then gets a musical number in the penultimate episode, which is a, a musical episode, mm-hmm. um, which was I don't know when I first watched it, it was very emotional because I never like had representation of that growing up at all. Representation of, of what? like. I don't know, a love song with, about like with, you know, a boy talking, singing about being in love with another boy, mm-hmm. especially like, you know, a fat blue haired, <laughs> uh, spooky boy with a talking. This dog. character is very Trevor. It, very, yes. very Trevor. It, it, that, this show is so my shit. <laughs> like it is like, if, it, if Pugsley had just been a bulldog, they yeah. would have. Yeah. Instead of, a, instead of what a pug, a pug. Uh-huh. that boy, they miss that. They're so <laughs> different. Um, what were your feels about the little, little romance? I, so when I first started watching, so full as I said it early in the show, yeah. I didn't get a chance to finish it. So I, there's a failure on my part. However, when I first started watching it, I've seen the first two episodes and the so Trevor hadn't briefed me really on anything, just that it had a lot of representation. And I should watch it. It's like, all right, I'm going to watch it. And immediately was captivated by how lifelike the characters felt like you're watching a cartoon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times cartoons in an effort to get humor, they make everything ridiculous. And in making things ridiculous, it's like a sitcom that kind of is later in its mm-hmm. years and they try mm-hmm. and just make everything too over the top and then they, you lose the relatability. You, and, you lose the humanity because it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You, don't be, you don't buy in it. Yeah. Right. The characters feel like caricatures. And I think with a cartoon, it's very easy to do that. Um, and this show felt so immediately relatable. I think that's the dialogue. Yeah, it's the dialogue. The, what was working for me, which is why I'll obviously go back and finish it. I was out of town for four days, but... I'll go back and finish it because the love story that was developing oh. was so 
not what I have ever seen mm-hmm. before. That it was as soon as they had that start, which I think was in episode two, when they did the um, costume, characters. the costume characters, right? Mm-hmm. They they also introduced the character of Logs, where as soon as that happened and and, and Barney started getting like the fluttery, jittery mm-hmm. feels, I was like, oh my god! Like we're gonna get to see this play out, and that I just I've never. I don't know. I feel like I've never seen that before. Well, and what I also loved was, okay, so our main character, Barney, is fat, and he's crushing on the hunky guy, mm-hmm. and there was never at all any idea like, oh, he'll never get him. You or- know what it is? Yes, that's it. That, so that, I was trying to figure out how to exactly put this, and that's, like, that's it, which mm-hmm. is that I knew as I was watching the show that I could trust the show to pay it off yes. without, without sliming me. Mm-hmm. Like you're watching the show and you just know that you're going to get an actual story and an actual payoff that is not going to like trigger you. And so it, it, you, you go in with this trust of the creators and of the characters to handle it properly, which is not like you go into basically any other kind of thing. And th- let's say they set up the exact same situation, mm-hmm. but you haven't heard what the story is about or whatever. And, and maybe the first episode is kind of dicey and there's some fat jokes and whatever. And you're like, oh, I yeah. don't know can you how Im- this is going to go. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine mm-hmm. if like, you know, this week on friends, Ross dates a plus size woman, right? Like, and you know, that's going to be just horrible. No, it's going to be, gonna be <laughs> and, and you'll never see her again. And you'll never that. see her again. Yeah. yeah. And it will end in terror and it will end, end in either a poignant, a poignant up moment or a poignant down moment, but it will end. And it, <laughs> the, it, so it felt like a safe space to experience that story, which going in like you might know that after the end of watching some other thing where by the end of it you're like oh yeah that was okay it was okay they handled it okay but going in and watching this and knowing that like i can actually invest myself in the story because it's not going to hurt me mm-hmm. on like that was incredible i didn't feel that the you know the the nerves weren't there right i felt mm-hmm. like his his concerns of the over appro- the character. Of the character, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Barney's concerns about approaching the hot guy, it it felt realistic to mm-hmm. me. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like they were ignoring that. And it's just, you know, I can do anything because my yeah. confidence it is was, so high. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. very realistic. You know? Well, and but it wasn't the... Barney's hesitation in approaching the hot guy was not based in... Because I'm the fat guy. Yeah. It was it because was the natural. guy was so, yeah. it's like you have a crush and what do you do when you walk up to your crush yeah. and talk to them? Like, how do you do yeah. that? Yeah, how do you talk to a crush? And, it was and when you that. find out, well, I'm blowing a point for Go, Michael, no, go for it. When they finally do open the conversation to it, you find out that the nerves were reciprocal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I appreciated that too. The musical episode is, I was like, oh, I like, I heard there's a musical episode. I'm like, okay, like it'll be silly, whatever. It was so good. It's like such solid music. And actually, yeah. uh, Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy wrote some of the songs, mm, cool. including uh, Norma's kind of power ballad about problematic faves, <laughs> which I think just speaks to what, our I, time. I, I, I don't know what a problematic fave is. Um, Basically, just like finding out that your like, favorite oh. celebrity has this dark side. Mm. And that Me- meeting you know, your it's heroes. It's J.K. Rowling. Yes. Yeah, meeting your yeah. heroes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a lot of people. Yeah, I got to give kudos to Courtney's um, "Somewhere Down There" yes. song. Yes, <laughs> most parody songs don't land for me mm-hmm. uh, because they have to parody it musically, not just lyrically. Yeah. And this one I thought was a spot on uh, Little Mermaid yeah, parody I, I, that was great. Or up there from the uh, South Park movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's right on par with that. 
check it out. Michael, finish it. I will, and I'll report back. Yeah, we'll have an update next episode from Michael. And, I mean, not that this is the most important part of this particular trajectory, but um, my Michael is a very similar in terms of, like, tastes as, Mm -hmm. like, me and Trevor and Don, and is obsessed with pugs. And so when I told him (laughs) there's a pug who gets demonically possessed and then learns how to talk afterwards, he was like, why are we not watching this right now? <laughs> Let's go. Has, and he has a little good boy hat. He has he a good boy hat. hat. Which is a fez. A little fez. The hat yeah, was awesome. The hat. No, the what hat, I they, love. They use the hat multiple times. They multiple use the hat. Well, yeah. and I love like, it's his good boy hat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <man. laughs> okay. We'll wrap it up there. Good yes. boy hat. Um, um, no, tip the this, no tip this week. No tip this week. Okay. Uh, uh, we do we have a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, since we were diving into a cartoon that seems to be doing so many firsts in such excellent ways, mm-hmm. I thought I would dive back into cartoon characters that were firsts. Okay. Um, so now uh, all of these deal with various LGTB characters throughout the history of cartoons. Okay. Um, or allied. I or should, allied. I Is this going to be Bugs Bunny in a dress? But they're all about, <laughs> they're all referring to American cartoons and I'm doing my best to avoid uh, queer-coded characters because if you include mm, queer-coded okay. characters, that gets dicey. It gets really mm. muddy as to where some of the firsts were. <laughs> Every Disney villain. <laughs> yeah. So let's start this off. Uh, who is hailed as the first featured drag queen cartoon character, meaning cross-dressing but not portrayed as specifically gay? Uh, Bugs Bunny. One. Bugs Bunny. <laughs> two. Betty Boop. Oh. Three. Mickey Mouse. Or four. Daffy Duck. Oh, Bugs Bunny. I mean, Bugs Bunny famously, but I'm just trying to think if any of the others had done it. Because he didn't come along. When did Bugs Bunny come the along? Does anyone 40s, know? early 50s. Yeah. I mean, there is a very old yeah. Like, yeah. Bugs Bunny that doesn't really look like Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. But uh, Betty Boop. That's early. That's early. That's very early. Yeah. But I, Betty, I don't know Betty Boop in, in a tux. I'm just sitting here looking I'm, innocent. Oh, I, can, I, hear, I can see Betty Boop doing like a Marlena Dietrich thing in a tuxedo. Or I like a little that. mustache. Uh, I Honestly, I have no idea. I'm gonna, I don't know the answer I to this. I think it's so. Bugs Bunny, but I'm going to go I'm with gonna, Betty Boop because I feel like. You're taking a risk. Yeah. Um, okay. I can see. I'm going to go a totally different direction and say Mickey Mouse. Okay. Okay. Dan? I'm going to go with Betty Boop because uh, Trevor's always right. And because I think that would fly under the radar with the Harlem Marlena Dietrich thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Blue Angel. Yeah. And, okay. So we got two for Betty Boop and one for Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. The correct answer is, in fact, of course, Bugs Bunny. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, I, I had to show Betty Boop. That was the only thing I could think of that might distract people from Bugs Bunny. <laughs> well, it works. Because she's such a drag queen-esque mm-hmm. character. Yeah. Um, Bugs Bunny premiered in 1945, A Wild Hair. And there's actually a lot of stuff out there about the animators talking about why they use drag how drag was taken by the audiences and everything. Yeah, Mm. totally. Um, And there's actually like a scholarly debate as to whether, um, so Bugs Bunny kisses Elmer Fudd and his opponents Mm -hmm. a lot over Mm -hmm. the course of his run. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of discussion out there as to whether that's homophobic or subversive. Interesting. Um, In that he is using homosexual sexuality to shame somebody. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the argument for homophobia, but the other ones is kind of obvious, I think, but anyway, huh? Uh, moving on. Question two. Which movie featured the first Disney gay cartoon married couple? Married. Gay right? cartoon gay. married. One, Thor Ragnarok. Two, Frozen. Three, Zootopia. Or four, Monsters, Inc. Hmm. Oh, 
man. I, for some reason, I and think it's Monsters, Inc. I will say right off the bat that each of the movies mentioned are firsts in their own way for LGTB representation in Disney movies. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Monsters, Inc. For, for no really good reason. Uh, I'm going to say Zootopia. Okay. Married. See, the married yeah, is Yeah, married is the me. part that, that... Oh, yeah. Yep, married is the then maybe key Zoo- word here. Then, then maybe Zootopia. I'm going to say Frozen. Frozen. Okay. Because... Let it go? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Frozen. Because it's a really gay movie. Let it go. All right. So we go. got one for... Fro- uh, sorry, you said Frozen? Yeah. Yes, one for Frozen and two for Zootopia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The correct answer is, in fact, Zootopia. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. 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 Extra points if you guys can figure out which characters it was. No, I do like, not remember that. This, not, is, this is obscure. Oh, is it one of the... Is it at the far, like the pie stand? It is not. So in Zootopia, the gay first gay married couple are very obscure characters. Uh, Bucky and Pronk, Oryx slash, or Oryx and Antlerson. <laughs> they are the neighbors of the bunny. Of course they are. That stop by at one point. Um, and like they're super noisy and they annoy her oh, when she's living in, in her town, apartment. in her apartment, in her apartment. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. I can um, remember the this. reason. The only reason why you people know that they're a gay couple is because in the credits, they are listed as Bucky and Pronk Oryx Antlerson. Like the same. It's name. a hyphenated last name. They're, yeah. they're a hyphenated mm. last name. Interesting. Um, That's so, very Disney, though. Yep. It's there, but it's not there. Um, all right. Question three. According to Wikipedia. Which American cartoon show featured the first trans character? One, Dexter's Laboratory. Two, Rocco's Modern Life. Three, Futurama. Or four, The Simpsons. Okay, hold on. I feel like this might be a trick question. Is this... <laughs> well, because Trevor knows every episode of The Simpsons. Well, it's, well it's, I know I'm every asking episode which of was Futurama. The first. So we, it's going to be hard for it to be all of, of the above. But, mm, I know how to spell it. But them. first in... Episode premiere or show premiere? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> it's not that much of a trick. Okay, but hold on. I, I know I'm, I'm, really I'm kind of with this. I, I'm stewing over how because, a robot is trans. But. So Rocco's Modern Life, mm-hmm. there's a trans character, but they do not come out until the recent movie. So I don't know if that, hmm. like, because they were always trans. But you didn't know. Until I'm going to say Rocco's Modern Life because just because I know that like I don't I, I don't know, I don't think you're implying this to be sneak. I think I'm like overthinking this. <laughs> oh, what would give you in that terms idea. of like? I'm going to say I'm going to follow Trevor's lead because frankly I have no idea. I have zero idea. I haven't heard of half of these. Trevor, whatever Trevor said. Okay. The answer. <laughs> the correct answer is in fact Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Uh, we're in the most recent release of, yes. of Rocco's Modern Life, Static Cling. Uh, it is revealed that Rachel Bighead mm-hmm. is a transgender woman, has finally found happiness. Nice. Um, all right, final question. And I think we all know this one. So nobody mm. shout out the answer. But okay. in which movie did we meet the first explicitly gay on screen character of the MCU universe? One, Thor. Two, Captain America Civil War. Three, Avengers Endgame, or four, Iron Man 2? Oh. I mean, I know. I don't. Avengers Endgame, 
the guy in the support group with Captain America played by Joe Russo? Oh, that is correct. Right, 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 right. That is oh, correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it was announced. It was like, here's your representation. and they made a big stink out of it like oh we're gonna have our first gay character and then it's over in 30 seconds and and he's not he's not named yeah i Uh, mean it yeah but it was the director it was the director. It was the director. And, <laughs> Do we know if the director's gay? And Marvel, he's so. not. And the, and the Marvel actually did apologize for the hullabaloo. Yeah. As they should. Afterwards. As they should. Yeah. Yeah. They made um, a big deal out of it. Yeah. So were you a gay character in a Disney movie? Oh, or that a was cartoon. So many, that was so many years ago, Don. Yeah. Or a cartoon? <laughs> Trevor, where can they tell us all about that experience? Well, we're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Five stars there. Five stars everywhere. You five can stars, rate and stars, review stars, us stars. at all these places. <laughs> yeah. Except for the ones that don't do it. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Also, we're on Patreon, but we're we're, we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it. I was actually working on the video today. Part of the slowdown is that none of us took very much footage or photos of Vegas. <laughs> we were present. We were in the moment. <laughs> we were in the moment. I think this is the least like amount of video or pictures I've taken at a bigger Vegas. Anyway, thanks for that. Maybe, (laughs) maybe you're watching dead end paranormal park and you just finished it and you're, you're just feeling it. You you have good feels. You're excited about the potential of a second season. And then, uh, Michael kicks down the door and he's in, (laughs) he's in Y2K fashion. (laughs) And he's, uh, he's, is that a bear midriff? Yeah. He's got a, (laughs) metallic crop top and a feather coat so watch out <laughs> so i just want to explain what i wanted to do there was the paris hilton that's hot but we didn't reference it in the show earlier and no. so it wouldn't have made any sense but that would have been the perfect way to do it I and i just i want that on the record <laughs> that's hot